I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Hi friends, welcome to Once Upon a Gene. My name is Effie Parks and I am your host. I am recording this little intro after an entire day filled with Rare Disease Day 2021 festivities. We had the most amazing outdoor event in our local community and then I came straight to the studio to help moderate the first Rare Disease Truth epic meetup. If you haven't heard of the Rare Disease Truth hashtag, head over to Twitter and follow it. It has been a very powerful and important mission. Today, I'm so happy to introduce you to my guest. We're talking about early intervention, also known as birth to three. These are the vital services that our kids can receive. And I'm always a little heartbroken to know that either some people maybe missed the opportunity to get them or simply didn't even know about them in the first place. I'm asking a lot of questions that I know I had in the beginning. And also, we're just packing in a lot of really useful content for anyone in the beginning of their journey with their kids. The place Ford went to, it's called Kindering, and it's in the Seattle area. Kindering has such a special place in my heart, as do so many of the therapists that we met along the way. You know, they were the first line of support to me, and they were there through those really, really rough times. And I'll never, ever forget it. And I'll always be grateful for their hearts and their passion. Today's guest, uh, she's a 17-year kindering veteran. She's a licensed speech and language pathologist. She holds a PhD in communication science and disorders from the University of Texas and Dallas and an executive certificate in nonprofit leadership from Duke. She is the current CEO of Kindering. I'm really excited, so let's just dig in. Please enjoy my conversation with Lisa Greenwald. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Hi. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Lisa, can you tell us where you're coming from right now? I am Lisa Greenwald, the CEO at Kindering, and I'm sitting here in my office, barely anyone else in the building, as we're being really safe for our kids and families. <laughs> So I know most of my listeners, if not all of them, have definitely been exposed to early intervention in some way. But I have also found it really interesting, especially in a lot of Facebook groups that I'm in, that some parents really don't know what early intervention is or how to access it necessarily. So can you give us all a rundown on what kindering is and what early intervention is, what birth to three, there's a lot of different names for it. Can you just give us kind of the overview of that? Sure, no problem. So Kindering, we're a not-for-profit neurodevelopmental center, and we offer a variety of programs, but I know we're just focusing on the birth to three early intervention program that supports infants and toddlers who maybe miss some developmental milestones or who has some new diagnosis through the first three years of life. The brain actually grows about 85% of its brain growth happens in those first three years of life. And so intervening early is so impactful and can make the biggest lifelong 
difference for the long run. So that's really the core belief um, of how and why we want to intervene so young when the brain is plastic and neuroplasticity uh, is in our favor. So kids come to us with an array of developmental delays or diagnoses or just they aren't crawling yet or walking yet or sitting yet, talking yet, whatever it is in normal child development. And we are also happy to do a developmental evaluation for any family who has concerns or questions. Um, You don't need a doctor's referral. That tends to be the most common route that families get to us, but it is not necessary to go to the doctor first, which has been a big thing through this pandemic because a lot of families are skipping their child well visits. That's a reminder. I'm late on a couple of those. I know. (laughs) My child just started back at school and it was a big last minute panic to do that well visit (laughs) that we haven't done for a while. We had a lot of sick visits, but not a lot of well visits. So Mm, Yeah, no kidding. Well, Lisa, how did you get involved with kindering specifically? What drew you to this career? Well, I started out as a speech therapist um, and I started out working with adults, uh, very interested in, in communication in general and eventually worked my way down, all the way down to infants and toddlers and just really around that brain plasticity and being able to make a significant difference early on. To get to kindering, I actually started as a speech therapist, and along the way, I became pregnant with my own child, who then benefited from kindering services and special education services also in the schools. He's now 16, and so that's what brings me to kindering and his connection and what I've seen from what kindering has given him is also such a key part of why I'm here and the perspective that I have and just wanting to be there for as many kids and families who need us. Yes, I love the perspective from both lenses for you of actually a couple really being a therapist yourself and having a child who used early intervention services to now being the CEO of the nonprofit. That's really beautiful kind of circle there. And it really speaks to kindering for sure. And just this world, I always talk about on my podcast that a couple of the warmest, huggiest people that I've met along this journey are early intervention therapists and genetic counselors. And it's so true. There's just there's just such a warmth to the types of people who choose this kind of compassionate career. Yeah, it's a really special place to be and to work. So a family gets referred to you typically by their doctor because they don't know about kindering or early intervention. I know I didn't. And then what? What happens for the family? The first step is getting to us in any way, shape or form. However, phone, website, walking in under normal circumstances. And from there, we walk families through the process of doing an intake and then a full developmental evaluation. And during this pandemic, we were all offering those virtually. We have a video of what that looks like on our Kindering page, on our COVID page, as well as on Kindering's YouTube channel. So it's very helpful to be able to see what that might look like in the virtual environment. We have a team of therapists, so speech therapists, a motor therapist, which is an occupational or physical therapist, and also a early childhood special education teacher. And for eligible families, we add the essential key piece which is family resources coordination, which kind of holds everything together and is an essential part of early intervention services. Do you think that the 
kind of virtual platform is going to stick around more so for especially the kiddos that are more underserved in different populations around the area? Well, interestingly, we had started on this journey of virtual therapy or teletherapy starting back, I want to say in 2015. We had a family who lived in a remote part of the area up in the mountains and her town doesn't even have a grocery store. So of course they don't have an early intervention program and they had a lot of trouble finding anyone to provide services for their family. And when they got to Kindering, we decided to use a combination of occasional home visiting, making the trek out there as well as teletherapy with that family. And then we also have a lot of families who spend a significant amount of time maybe months at a time, again, under normal circumstances, traveling to their home countries. And so we were able to continue virtually with families uh, from a distance. And then, of course, Snowmageddon, which, wow, we haven't seen any (laughs) snow recently, but we all remember Snowmageddon. And that was really an eye-opener because it was for so long. And we were really able to continue to use teletherapy during that time with our families. But who knew, (laughs) who knew that this pandemic would come and in March it would become the only way to deliver therapy services for our uh, kids and everything we do, all of our programs. Now we're transitioning a bit back with some in-person services, but everybody has access to that virtual service. And yes, I think it will stick around. I think it meets definitely some needs that will continue after the pandemic. I also think that our in-person services will continue once that's safe and is really important. There's so many hands-on needs that our kids have. So a combination is very nice. Yeah, definitely. I love that you were adapting to things before it was cool. What are some of the roadblocks that you're seeing or that you've felt over the last couple of years in the early intervention world? What are some of the things that are difficult to move this mission forward? Definitely right now during this pandemic, as I alluded to earlier, at the beginning of the pandemic in particular, people stopped going to their well-child visits. And that's where developmental screening is supposed to happen in our system of care. And so we really had to rethink things. Like we don't want even more families not knowing about early intervention. So already there's about 13% of the population who could be eligible for these important services. And only about half are getting into the early support for infants and toddlers' hands. So the pandemic has really impacted, I mean, I know for sure statewide because I'm in touch with everybody statewide uh, and I'm confident across the world where families are really challenged to get, to even realize that they could benefit from these services because they don't have that um, developmental screening happening. So we've been really looking at how do we get the word out and find families and not wait for families to find us. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't really think about it that the notoriety of it necessarily comes from your well visits. And I guess that's why most people don't know. And I'm always kind of shocked. But I mean, like I said, I didn't know until my son was admitted into the hospital and they're like, this wonderful place called Kindering is going to call you next week. Yeah, I think people just don't know. I would love to hear about your story if you're willing to share your Kindering story. Well, you know, In a really short version, my son Ford was admitted into children's at a little over three months old uh, with failure to thrive. We couldn't get him to eat. 
And he was there for about a week until they were like, yep, you're right. He won't eat. Here's a feeding tube. See you later. Kindring's going to call you. And none of that even really absorbed to me at the time because I was under immense stress. And then a few days later, I got a call that said, we have an appointment scheduled for you. Can you come in with Ford? And in a delirium, I did. I went in and I met two of your beautiful therapists that work there. And they did an evaluation on Ford. And, you know, what I remember most is that they had just such a presence of acceptance. You know, I was a mess. I was crying. My kid had this two foot two hanging out of his face and I was so upset and they didn't make it weird and they didn't make me feel scared in any way. They just loved on Ford and they were excited to work with him and they just made me feel sort of normal <laughs> for a little bit. And then, you know, we began, y'all came over to my house, which also changed my life because it was really difficult you know, with Ford's new equipment and kind of adjusting to what was really happening. And when the therapist started coming over to my house to give us our service, when I was going to at least three or four appointments at Children's Hospital a week for a couple of years, it really, really changed everything. It helped so much to not have to get into the car one more time. So that was really special for me and also, you know, the people that work for you. And I think in this world, in general, the ones who serve kids are just special type of angel and they really become a part of your family. And, you know, I still talk to every one of our therapists and I consider all of them my dear friends to this day. So I love kindering so much and I tell everybody that. And I really think that early intervention therapists are our very first lifeline and our first connection that we can have to like be ourselves without feeling like a crazy person and trying to explain it to friends and the world because they just get it and they don't have any expectations. So I really appreciate Kindering and what they did for our family. That's such a touching story. And it reminds me of two things. One is our our new equity vision for our organization is I belong. And to me, it just really speaks to that feeling of being able to come to Kindering and, and know that you belong and that your child feels that they belong. And so that's one of the things that reminded me of. And the second was that I had a similar early experience in terms of the feeding piece. And I just remember how difficult that time period was. In fact, I rarely can talk about it without getting tears in my eyes because it felt like feeding your child should be the like most basic thing you should be able to do as a mom. And I was just an emotional wreck and felt like a total failure. And after six weeks, luckily, uh, he, I don't know what happened, but we worked it out. He, before six weeks or right up until that time, he kind of looked like a Sharpe puppy and had his ribs showing in the front and the back and was losing weight. And it was just such a scary time. Um, so we were fortunate to not have the feeding tube placed at that time. And somehow he, we just, it just worked out and I have no idea how, but he became fatter than the Gerber baby in a short order. So I was really grateful for yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I just remember that time. And um, I am so glad that you were able to to find support at Kindering and that people told you where to turn. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just the stuff that comes behind 
people that choose this career or if there's some sort of training that you do there to kind of help these therapists kind of go into the homes as, you know, this just gentle being. I don't know what it is, but it really makes a difference uh, for for families like mine. It really does, because you're at this point where nobody understands what's happening and you're a mess and they're coming over to your house and you're like, you know, it's they like get to see everything. <laughs> I think it's a mix of both <laughs> to think through that. We're just a really built on a family centered approach and we're created in 1962 through parents who were looking for swim classes for their kids with disabilities and just having that core value, that parent perspective, understanding the really early diagnosis and early, like most of our kids don't even have a diagnosis. You know, it's, it's the big unknown period of time, of like not sure what's going on. And having the Washington State Fathers Network as part of kindering, having uh, support for uh, the whole family, as well as siblings. I'm not sure if you know about the sibling support program or sib shops, but just really thinking about the whole family. And for me personally, I have worked in other settings as a speech therapist where parents have been viewed differently and it never felt like a partnership in some of those other places. And so it's always been really important for me to recognize the uh, partnership that it is with families and it's just part of that parent perspective, I think. Yes, totally. And I know we're talking about kindering, which is in Washington State, but there's something really unique about kindering that actually does filter out everywhere. And you touched on it a little bit. And I did want to mention, I have spoke with Emily Hall about Sib Shops and Luis Mendoza about the Father's Network. Can you just kind of explain just a little bit of that? Because people listening around the country can actually turn to those two things for support or as a resource? The Washington State Fathers Network is a network of dads who are experiencing the journey of raising a child with special needs and really can benefit from that peer-to-peer networking and support. Um, So that is sometimes they have local chapters of people are getting together, whether or not it's campouts or again, under normal circumstances, Super Bowl parties. Now that a lot of those things obviously have turned virtual and sharing resources and information. And then the sibling support program, Emily Hall, who you said came on a podcast and probably spoke all about this, but she goes around the whole world really teaching communities how to offer sib shops in their own in their own programs in their own communities. In fact, I joined her virtually in Japan the other weekend nice. to welcome yeah, a group of sib shop facilitators who she's already trained and who are already providing sib shops, but who were talking about how do I do this virtually? So it's just so interesting that the issues that we're facing here locally right now are, are worldwide issues and Uh, I just really enjoy Emily Hall and her program. Don Meyer, who founded the program, who is also the the champion who started this. And it's just a wonderful program. And to be more specific, it specifically supports the siblings of children with disabilities and their fun, lively workshops. It's not just your support group where you 
sit and talk about your brother or sister, but you interact, you network, you have fun. Yes. And I'll link both of those episodes in the show notes for this episode too. definitely go check them out. Implementing sip shop stuffs in your in your town is so cool too. I just love it. And dads always need a place because, you know, there just aren't as many, I think, for dads. So I'm really happy to know about the Father's Network for sure. Um, For some reason, that reminded me of our new program called the Kindering Virtual Play Pass. And that's another program that really could be accessed anywhere because it's virtual, right? So it is... Our, one of our responses to our preschool programs not being able to offer those during the pandemic, as we switched those to virtual, we learned what worked and what didn't work and have created this Kindering Virtual Play Pass. So you can log in, get a subscription as a sliding fee scale, and you can access an array of classes, 20 minute, 30 minute, we're talking about infants and toddlers here, in English and Spanish, or in both English and Spanish, all sorts of topics. You can also get a free developmental screening through the Kindering Virtual Play Pass. So that is also on our kindering.org coronavirus page. Excellent. And do you have to be a Washington State citizen to access that or can anyone access that? I believe anyone can access that. I I don't, it's not, yeah, it does. I don't think it has any barriers except for the time zones that get pretty challenging. That sounds super cool. So Lisa, do you have any favorite stories from families or kiddos or even your own experience with employees or just stuff you've done along the way that have really stuck with you? Sure. One of the stories that has stuck with me for so long and I keep in touch with Becky is Franny Ronan's story. Uh, I don't know if you know Franny, but she was diagnosed with Down syndrome shortly after birth. Do you know Franny? Nope. I'm going to find her. Okay. Well, good. All right. Well, you can actually Google her because she's a superstar. So she was diagnosed with Down syndrome shortly after birth and her parents heard about kindering through her pediatrician again and also through their employers at Microsoft, which is really thinking about, you know, employers knowing about kindering too for their employees. And at about, so she immediately came to kindering shortly after birth. And then at about six weeks old, she joined our Baby Steps program, which in addition to the therapy services she be getting is a group program for babies and their parents. Added physical therapy to strengthen her gross motor skills, then speech therapy when she was 18 months old. As she got older, she's really a story of participating in a lot of the comprehensive programs that we have in our Birth to Three program. She joined the co-op program, and then as she was nearing age three, she joined our Stepping Stones Preschool, which is a great, it's an inclusive preschool. About half the children have disabilities, about half don't and it's an environment that really prepares kids for that more traditional preschool setting at age three to five. And so this toddler preschool, she participated in that. Her sister participated in sip shots, which we just talked about. And now, so she graduated at age three, but at age eight, so this is why you can Google her, she became the youngest Special Olympian ever to compete for any team. So she competed for the U.S. team in gymnastics when just a few years ago when It was here in Seattle. And now I was just talking to uh, her mom last night and 
She is now a fifth grader. She's adapting to virtual school. She has lots of virtual activities, including gymnastics, but I think misses some of the gym equipment, like the bars, which are certainly her favorite and fun to watch if you get to see that from the Olympics. And also virtual ballet and and basketball. And what's really interesting about Franny's story is that her mom, Becky, really understands the importance of early intervention because her oldest brother, Kevin, was born at a time, also has Down syndrome, and was born at a time when little was understood about Down syndrome and there weren't as many therapies. And so he didn't access early intervention at the time. And so they really know firsthand the difference that the first years of life and that support makes for people and for people with Down syndrome. Both Becky and Mike, Franny's dad, are just have been so grateful and supportive of, of kindering and really just hold on to this understanding that early intervention has helped to set Franny up for success. Franny, I love that. I'm going to go watch some videos of her this week. <laughs> <laughs> you should. <laughs> Real quick, you made me think of something that I wanted you to touch on if you could. You mentioned the preschool. Ford did go to the developmental preschool co-op thing and uh, it was mixed, right? There's kids with disabilities, kids without. And I was wondering, how would you inspire parents of typically developing children to put their kids in a program like this rather than, you know, a big fancy expensive one with kids that are all just like themselves. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, diversity is, is a good thing, right? It, it makes us all stronger and it's actually become a rite of passage, I would say, for kindering staff members as well as pediatricians in the area who send their kids to our um, program. And it's a really high staff to student ratio. You have access to highly educated specialists with master's degrees. So there's a, a ton of benefits, including the connection that you get from kids and other kids and kids who can talk or can't talk or can walk or who can't walk and really just understanding what everybody has to offer no matter what how they present themselves. Mm, yes. Yes. This next generation, I think, is going to have a lot more opportunity to realize there's the differences around them are beautiful. And they're also just as much like you as anyone else. Yep. Well, Lisa, is there anything else that you would like to leave our audience with that perhaps I didn't touch on with you? I just think that any listeners out there spreading the word, just so families know that the early intervention system is here for any families who wonder about their child's development um, or need additional support. And you just find us on the web, kindering.org. Um, we try to make it really easy um, or give us a call. Perfect. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It was really fun to talk to you. Yeah, it was great to talk to you. And thanks for sharing your story. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people. And please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story, or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.